Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, holistic veterinarian and owner of Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in Chicago's northwest suburbs. Dr. Carlson's quotes appear in dozens of publications you can find across the internet, including MarthaStewart.com, PetMD, Rover.com, and so many others. Dr. Carlson practices a blend of Eastern and Western medicine and customizes treatments for all the pets here at Riverside. We'd love to hear from you today. 866 and you can also reach out to us by email, holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. We're here today to inform pet owners of issues facing their pets, kind of like the COVID virus right now, <laughs> trends in the industry, new treatments you might not know about that can help your pet. And we encourage you to discuss any of those issues with your own veterinarian or track down Dr. Carlson on Facebook our Facebook page is Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice, and you can get in touch with us there and um, discuss the holistic program. And today we're going to talk about COVID. We're also going to have our guest uh, from the um, National Animal Supplement Council. The pet industry is very attractive to people who are looking to start a business or get into a business who really like animals, but. Uh, what's coming out now are, you know, a lot of different supplements, treatments, herbs, things like that, that, uh, you know, business people have developed and started to market to pet owners. Are those all legitimate? There is actually a supplement council in place that is going to help us, you know, pet owners determine whether or not, um, you know, these supplements are legitimate or not. And it's a really great guideline when there are so many different things coming on the market. It used to be the vet was like the ultimate person to tell you, yes, do that or don't do that. Now, you know, the world's obviously so open to everyone and everything. That's great. But we just have to be sure that all the animals are safe. And this is a great way, a certification that's out there to do it. Also, imagine coming home and finding your pet dead, but the culprit was preventable and all too common. It's happening out there, and an organization is working to spread the word about household hazard that is taking lives. So we're going to talk to them as well. First, though, we're going to update you on what's going on with the COVID virus. Give us um, just kind of some answers right now about whether or not, I mean, the most frequently asked question we get in the animal hospital is my dog going to get it? And if it gets it, is it going to pass it on? Great question. Um, the latest from, uh, as we mentioned earlier shows, uh, there was only one dog that's tested positive for COVID, and that was in Hong Kong. And the uh, the person who owned the dog had the COVID virus, uh, was sick from it, and the dog was not sick from it. And um, since then, you know, the IDEX company, uh, since about uh, March 13th, has, uh, came out with an announcement. They've been uh, testing thousands of dogs uh, for the COVID virus, and so far nothing has come up positive. Uh, this is information from the AVMA website, so uh, it is a public website that you can go to get updates regularly. So if you just Google AVMA COVID, that will bring up this document, yes. and I would say this Great is just kind of the gold standard right now of yeah. what everybody's supposed to do. So. 
<clears throat> on here it says IDEX, which is um, a lab that is a veterinary lab used in probably most clinics across the country or many of them, mm-hmm. evaluated thousands of canine and feline specimens and during validation of its new veterinary test system for the COVID-19 virus, it obtained no positive results. Yeah, good news. It's very good news. The specimens used for test development and validation were obtained from specimens submitted to IDEX reference laboratories for PCR testing. So, so testing in the field and, and um, you know, as we as more things develop and as we know more about the virus so far it's human to human transmission mm-hmm. um, the origin was a bat but there was uh, talk of an intermediate host that maybe made it jump to humans mm-hmm. uh, but no reference as to what that was the AVMA says SARS-CoV-2 yeah. which is the new uh, designation for it appears to have its origin in bats yeah. and that it did come from that market in Wuhan. Live pet market there, or live mm-hmm. animal market. Um, in seafood. In seafood, unfortunately. So uh, the, the practices of sanitation, uh, you know, obviously when you get a large group of live animals together, there's always a potential for spread of disease, especially if regulatory, uh, you know, regulations regarding that uh, is something that uh, is, is good to uh you know, if it's not in place, unfortunately, then you could get a lot of chance for disease spread and things like that. But um, one of the interesting things about this, and I don't know, you know, you kind of wonder, there's so many things out there, you're not sure how people are acquiring this virus. But the AVMA does say on its website that it occurs when there's contact with infected person's bodily secretions like saliva, mucus droplets, and a cough or sneeze. Transmission via touching a contaminated surface or object, then touching the mouth, nose, or possibly eye is also possible, but appears to be the secondary route. And, you know, you've heard also how dirty paper money is. It says here that smooth surfaces like countertops and doorknobs transmit viruses better than porous materials like money or even animal fur, as they say here. Um, And fibrous materials absorb and trap the pathogen, making it harder to contract through just a simple touch. So your big issues are going to be, you know, the escalator at the airport, Um, the doorknobs at the stores, shopping carts, that kind of thing. Yeah, smooth doorknobs, uh, even the credit card being a flat surface. Uh, it's surprising that uh, paper money would be less of a problem uh, be, be because it's uh, not a smooth surface. The bacteria can get stuck in the inside of it. Inside of and it. And that's how it works. With the pet's hair and stuff like that when you're talking about pets. Um, uh-huh. You know, that, and that's probably one of the reasons they can't get it as easily either. Okay. So, okay, let's say you're infected with it. If you are infected with COVID-19, you have to stay away from your animal or not? Um, what they're recommending is that if, if you do get the virus and you have a pet, it's better that you have someone else take care of it. Uh, if it's a member of, the, of your household uh, or someone else um, to do the walking, uh, to do the feeding, to do the brushing and caring. Um, you, you don't want to have close contact. So that 10-foot rule is, is still uh, very much applies to your pets if you get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because as, as we know, it hasn't mutated to dogs and cats. But 
the most common companion animal that we will have as people is dogs and cats. You know, and they're very close to us. They sleep with us. They live with us in the household. Uh, they lick our face, uh, you know, <laughs> and things like that. So <laughs> we're going to, you know, there, there's always that risk. But so if you get the virus, make sure that you isolate yourself from your pet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sad because, you know, obviously pets give us comfort during the mm-hmm. time of trouble. Right. And, uh, you not know, this time. Not this time. <laughs> I guess. Know, unfortunately. Yeah, that's super sad. But, you know, for everybody else who's just self-isolating, you know, deciding I'm going to stay home more or, you know, honestly, a lot of people are out of work at this point. So for those people, if you don't have it and you haven't been diagnosed with it and you're just kind of waiting to see maybe if you're going to get it because you were exposed, should you dial it down with your pet or should you just go ahead and let the pet live with you? Well, you said, you know, if, if you're not sick and your, and your pet's not sick, you know, obviously stay together. Um, that companionship is going to help us get through a lot of troubling times. Uh, it's also recommended that you stay in contact with your veterinarian. Make sure you stay on schedule with your regular pet visits. Uh, you know, take care of your pet just like you would take care of yourself, you know, because it's, it's really hard if you're super healthy to get, you're less susceptible to get sick. You can get exposed, but your body immune system is very strong. It can mm. fight the virus off. And, mm-hmm. you know, so let's face it, health is always a good thing. So we have the good fortune of we're going to be moving to a new building. The building we're in now is like 2,500 square feet. Mm-hmm. So our rooms are, exam rooms are super small. And, you know, they're not even big enough to maintain that 10-foot barrier of uh, social distancing. Is that what it's right. called? So. You know, this new building that we have, the the rooms are literally like, because we're putting in uh, an indoor dog park and a pet daycare as well. The rooms are literally like 45, 50 feet wide and long. So, I mean, what we're planning to do, and we've invited some of the other clinics in town as well, if they want to do it, is to just go to the corners of the building mm-hmm. and, you know, be able to actually see your patients there because really nothing beats actually putting your hands on that animal, seeing that animal in person, watching it move. Um, And, you know, the other thing we're offering is telemedicine. Obviously, the in-person is superior to telemedicine in some cases, especially if you're looking at like a sick pet or Mm -hmm. a pet that needs acupuncture treatments, um, you know, which you've already done this morning on a few so a lot of clinics are really impacted by this. Some of them aren't seeing anything other than emergencies at this point. Yeah, and that for routine care, uh, we're offering also if clients want to stay in their car, we can come out and get their pet, mm-hmm. take care of it, and bring it back out um, to stay up with a routine vaccination program and things like that. Uh, obviously, if your pet is sick, we need to see them and get mm-hmm. them in the clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll maintain that social distancing to 10 feet and make things as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pride ourselves in having a super clean clinic, um, so clean that I've, you know, I've, I've often said I could eat off the floor. And so that's important, uh, the way we sanitize and take care of things. So uh, if there's We're a using hospital-grade sanitizers. Yeah. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, it's Dr. Carlson here with my wife, Kristen Carlson. We're talking today about the COVID virus and also... And how animal clinics are handling this. That's right. So animal clinics, you know, you've worked with a lot of people for, you know, many years. Um, Putting together a veterinary team can be very challenging. And once you get it, you've got all these great people that you're working with. You all get each other. They're able to work cooperatively and, you know, it'd be a real shame to have to let them go, yeah. you know, and then a lot of people are facing layoffs right now and being very concerned. Everyone here has been really cooperative in the way that they have um, shared hours. So everyone's continuing to work at this point. And, you know, if you're not sick and you, your pet needs something or your pet has an emergency, that's really helpful to a small business to and helpful to all of our employees and our family to be able to keep going. So definitely something to think about. Uh, the business considerations related to the coronavirus are going to be adding up, obviously, for a lot of different people. Um, you know, pet sitters, you got to think of those people, you know, should you still pay them? Yes, you should. If you can, definitely share the money because, um, you know, those people are going to be out of work too and you valued their services while they were there. So I personally, you know, would agree with trying to at least pay them something, you know. Yeah, I think in, in during this time, it, you know, as in the United States anyway, just people have come together, you know, to work it out. Mm-hmm. I've seen yeah. a, a lot of cooperation, you know, just 
just trying to make things better and get us, we're all in this together, so we might as well, uh, you know, work together and, and make it the, mm-hmm. the best of, of it yeah. that we can. So our new building is going to house an indoor dog park. It's going to house um, a daycare, the clinic, a retail section, and a swim and gym type situation. Eventually, mm-hmm. that'll come probably next year. But um, for the moment, uh, this clinic is, since it's we're moving from 2,500 square feet to 10,000 square feet, and um, our kids are off school, so they're painting the whole thing and, and helping us get it ready and with all their friends, so it's super fun. Fun project, but the nice thing about it is that as soon as we get our occupancy permit, we're actually able to meet people down there, and since the rooms are so big, they're 45 by 55 in some locations, you can literally put people in every corner of every room. So we've actually asked and offered it to some of the other clinics in town to keep them going as well. Cause you're really not going to come in contact with anyone no, <laughs> in that building. Yeah. Up with social distancing yeah, there, yeah. That's for sure. yeah, totally. <laughs> so that's uh, kind of the good news about where we're at uh, with that. So if you're a client here, that's good, but you know, obviously you want to do an examined person, examined person, is the best medicine, but we are offering telemedicine, especially on those appointments where maybe it's just like asking questions. I just want to consult that kind of thing. Yeah. Makes it a lot more handy, a lot safer, you know, and, and clients can, we can go over the problems, uh, especially with FaceTime or Skype that, uh, they can actually show me some things on their pet. It's, it's kind of cool too. Cause you see the pet in its natural environment at home. Uh, and oftentimes here, uh, the, the pet's not acting the same. The client comes in and says, my pet was limping at home, and then it doesn't limp at all in here. So it's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's really helpful in some cases to see them in their natural environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. It is. So so I guess we'll see um, how that all plays out. We'll touch a little bit on a little bit more COVID stuff later, um, but we have a couple of good interviews coming mm-hmm. up today. There are billions in line on the pet industry and almost a daily new businesses are starting in this industry, ranging from pet sitting and other services to foods and supplements, but that's where it gets tricky. For the good of animal welfare, are all of these new supplements safe or effective or even worth your money? With so many outlets available to buy, there isn't a veterinarian's oversight anymore like there used to be. The National Animal Supplement Council is a nonprofit industry group dedicated to protecting and enhancing the health of companion animals and horses throughout the U.S. The NASC was formed in 2001 when a complicated and erratic regulatory environment threatened the multi-billion dollar animal supplement industry. So they have a quality seal program, and it's something we're going to talk today with Bill Bookout, the executive director of the National Animal Supplement Council about. Hi, Bill. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, good. Uh, We're well, thank you, and I hope you are too, and all of your team as well. Yeah, thank you very much. We are. We um, don't have any family members uh, or have you know we've been impacted like everybody else i really applaud you for the previous segment congratulate you on the new clinic i think I, I actually wrote some notes down um take care of your pets as you would take care of yourself uh that struck me uh be responsible be conscientious be considerate be kind don't panic and some support small and local businesses so that's that's right in line with our message and actions here at nasc and uh again thanks for the opportunity to, to join the program Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. So tell us a little bit about how this all got started. 
That's a good question. So my background is I was an executive for a major human uh, company on the human healthcare side. I was raised with, in Wyoming, had dogs my whole life. I had a dog with cancer, another dog with hip dysplasia. <clears throat> they were the love of my life. And so I left human medicine. I took a slot as CEO for the third largest specialty companion animal referral center in the U.S. Did that for three years. And in the course of that experience, cancer came back second time around on my own dog. And I was looking for help. Um, and he was given a very poor prognosis, although I worked with a lot of leading board-certified oncologists. He was given about three months with chemotherapy. So I completely changed his diet, found a holistic veterinarian, gave him a supplement product, and he lived two and a half years good quality of life, which wasn't long enough, but I was thankful. Mm-hmm. So out of that experience, I decided to start my own company, selling uh, supplements for animals. did that. And you would think that somebody like me, who had come from a highly regulated industry on the human side, had done drug approvals, device approvals, so I could figure out the regulatory environment, right? Mm-hmm. Wrong. I really? uh, made seemingly every mistake you can possibly make, um, oh, made wow. some bad assumptions, started, started our company, and after I got into the business, you know, in pursuit of the American dream, have your own house, have your own business, right? Yeah. I right. found out that the regulatory environment was much different than I thought that it was. And so there is no category for dietary supplements for animals as there is for humans. So although we see... Uh, readily available human dietary supplements. There's no, the same legislation that Congress passed that created a category for human dietary supplements doesn't apply to animals. So I didn't realize that. And in 2001, there was, after a number of uh, attempts by regulatory agencies, both state and federal regulatory agencies, to address this issue, they uh, basically took a new pathway and decided that they were going to pursue a strongly driven enforcement strategy where products, supplement products were beginning to be removed from the marketplace. And so NASC was founded at that point with the intention of engaging the regulatory officials, meaning the Food and Drug Administration, Center for Veterinary Medicine, state regulatory agencies, and associations like the Association of American Fee Control Officials, to define, develop, and implement a responsible cooperative pathway that would allow responsible conduct and continued availability of these products for the benefit of animals. So that's kind of the thumbnail sketch of where we came from. Okay. What's the current regulation of pet supplements? Current regulation of pet supplements, under the law, pet supplements fall into one of two categories as defined by the intended use. And what that means is whatever the statements that the company makes in terms of the benefits of those products determine the regulatory pathway. So, and there's only two. There are animal food, meaning nutritional products. So in terms of supplements, um, you can have a nutritional supplement that would be intended to provide a nutritional benefit, like a vitamin and mineral, an essential fatty acid, uh, possibly a probiotic. In that case, those ingredients have to be approved for the nutritional purpose, and the sources have to be approved. And they're labeled appropriately for animal food. Dog food, nutritional supplements are all in that pathway. If you have a product for a health purpose, And under the law, it's section, and I don't mean to make everybody legal experts, but this is my life. I deal with it every day. Um, The specific section of the law, if you have a non-nutritional health purpose, 
like a joint product that is not in a, it's in a dosage form delivery system, tablet, capsule, pill, powder, common products, uh, glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, a lot of herbal products. Those products for a health purpose are marketed essentially if companies act responsibly under enforcement discretion and have been very successfully for over 20 years. So NASC provides that pathway, which includes various components of vigilance, monitoring, testing, uh, manufacturing processes that comprise this platform of responsible conduct. So okay. those are the two pathways, health purpose, non-nutritional health purpose, or a nutritional benefit. And those are the only two pathways available. I know the, the you know, probably around 2000 or maybe a little bit before when a lot of the supplements were coming out, it was kind of like the wild frontier, yeah. um, kind of erratic. Uh, oh, that reminds you know. me of something that's going on right now. Right, right. <laughs> the wild frontier of CBD. It does indeed. Yeah. The wild frontier of CBD products. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, exactly. So, as you said, Dr. Carlson, in, in, in 1999, you know, when, when the Dietary Supplement Health Education Act, and I'll draw the parallel to CBD and cannabis products today. So, in, in 1999, the Dietary Supplement Health Education Act was passed in 1994. The animal industry is a fast-follow industry. And you can look at what people are using for themselves and deriving benefits for themselves. You can almost without exception look at products are going to soon follow for our companion animals, dogs and cats. And so the situation, as you said, Dr. Carlson, was very much the same. It was a gold rush industry in 1999. There were a lot of people getting into it. There's all kinds of companies popping up, and you don't know what, you know who's a good company. There's all kinds of claims out there, products that are in companies, you know, purporting products to be beneficial and everything from parvo to cancer. And you don't know what to do or what to believe, right? Right. Kristen, as you said, Mm -hmm. the segue to the CBD and cannabis uh, situation today, very similar, right? It's a gold rush industry. And so Mm -hmm. everybody's jumping in, human side and animal side. Um, You know, again, the trend is popularity on the human side for CBD products. That transitions to the animal side. It's the hottest thing in the industry that I've seen since 99 when I, when I started my own business and became involved. Uh, it's grown more rapidly uh, with, with much greater hoopla in virtually all respects than any trend I've ever seen since I've been in the business, and that's over uh, 20 years. Interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is there an NASC certified CBD oil? There are. Um, let me talk about our audit program first. So okay. to, a lot of people, a couple points, a lot of people think this is an unregulated industry, and that's not true. The animal supplement industry is actually more strictly and rigorously regulated than human supplements. Why do I say that? Because we're regulated at two levels. The federal level by the Food and Drug Administration, Center for Veterinary Medicine, they have ultimate regulatory authority over food and drugs. Also, depending on the statutes in the particular state where uh, a company is based or a product is sold, the Department of Agriculture or other state regulatory agency like the Office of a State Chemist or uh, in the case of CBD, if you're over 0.3% THC, then you can introduce the Drug Enforcement Agency into the equation. So mm-hmm. animal supplements are regulated. NASC, self-regulation does not mean 
unregulated, okay? So everything that we have done, we have done totally openly, transparently, and cooperatively with the federal regulators at FDA and state regulators assigned to us, usually in working in conjunction with AFCO, which is a very viable association that brings all the regulatory bodies together for animal products. Um, So the NESC audit program consists of a company, you can't just join NASC, pay your money, and use the NASC quality seal. You have to have a physical on-site audit, very similar to an FDA audit. You have to have a written quality manual that meets our standards, and those standards are patterned after standards that are published for both human dietary supplement manufacturing as well as animal food manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Um, Adverse event reporting and continuous vigilance and monitoring if we recall the situation that was very tragic in 2007 and 2008 with melamine. Yes. Right. Had, oh, yeah. Uh, yep. So we had an adverse event reporting system <clears throat> which provides continuous pharmacovigilance for all products and ingredients. And we were actually assisting FDA when that happened to make sure we didn't have any supplements involved in the melamine contamination issue, which fortunately we didn't. But companies have to enter their products in our adverse event reporting system, and I can talk more about that with respect to cannabis products and CBD uh, mm-hmm. and what the data shows from our system. They have to follow our labeling guidelines. Claims have to be truthful, not false, misleading, comply with the law that we're given. Okay. And so it's a, it's a multi-parameter uh, audit. When the, when a company finishes that audit, which is done by one of our auditors, then they can display the NASC seal. They may find you know, observations and have to make some corrections as a result of the audit, but then they can use the seal. So you asked the question, so do what, we have... what would be an example of a claim that, that was not going to pass your uh, yeah. guidelines? Very good question. So under the law, any, any claim involving diagnose, prevent, treat, cure, mitigate disease is a violation of... Uh, the law, FDA, Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act law. FDA issues warning letters for that. So if you see a company that mentions a disease anywhere, either overt or implied, let me give you an example. Our product will help dogs, will help relieve chronic pain in dogs with osteoarthritis. That's okay. a violative claim. Let's say that product has glucosamine or chondroitin in it, or turmeric or MSM, curcumin, Right. Mm-hmm. If the company um, makes a, a claim or a connection to their product, that's an overt claim. If the company says a statement like, glucosamine has been shown to assist dogs with osteoarthritis, your product has glucosamine in it, that's an implied claim. It's implied that our product will help with this diagnose, prevent, treat, or cure, basically chronic disease. So if a company mentions a disease, then that's a red flag anywhere, unless they're an approved drug. Okay. Okay. So what can you say? You can help support the normal, healthy structure and or function of the body or man or other animals. So you can help support normal, healthy joint function. You can support normal, healthy liver or kidney function. Eye health, lutein, for example. Um, You can help alleviate discomfort associated with normal daily exercise and activity, but nothing involving uh, a chronic disease process either implied or overtly stated. Interesting. Does that, is does that answer your question? Is that Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. totally. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. excellent. How much does it cost to get a pet supplement off the ground? 
Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I think that's a business question, and I can comment from uh, my own experience. When we started our company, Genesis, which I sold in 2012, um, I started with $500,000. Uh, you know, it was our own money that we had put in, you know, typical, how do you start a business, friends, family. Um, we started with $500,000. Can you do it for less than that? Uh, sure. But I think that there are certainly barriers to entry. Primarily, the costs have gone up in terms of responsible conduct, quality, and compliance. So you could probably do it for a little less than that, but you wouldn't need to be hugely capitalized, but I think you would need... You know, you need to buy raw materials, implement the quality systems, uh, test products to make sure what's on the labels in there, clear all those hurdles. Because now we have CGMPs in place nationally, and the FDA can certainly come in and conduct an inspection. And when that happens, you want to be ready for it. That's another thing that NASC provides is, you know, readiness for an inspection by a regulatory agency. So I think all those are considerations and factors if you want to start a business. Yeah. Okay. So consumer shopping online. Okay. So we've pointed yep. out a few things and that is to watch the claims, right? right. Um, yep. So in a case like with something like CBD oil, um, I heard that there are some, to me, it sounds like when we looked into doing a CBD line, it just sounds like you can just order it online very inexpensively and have it show up yeah. at your door <laughs> and then start yeah. selling it. Yeah. But it, I mean, yeah. it's almost like you could just order the CBD itself and literally make it in your garage if you wanted to. Yeah. It's, not, it's probably not quite that bad, but almost. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think, uh, I think trust, but verify is, a phrase that I would certainly apply to the supplement industry and especially the CBD industry. So mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think there are three things that you can take to the bank with CBD or supplements in general. Companies that make claims that sound too good to be true probably are. There are no magic bullets out there. That's why I'm a big proponent of involving the veterinarian in a comprehensive three-dimensional spherical healthcare process because I think that comprises the picture that creates the best outcome for the animal. And there are many things involved. That's why it's great to have people like Dr. Carlson that can help provide those other considerations and put those pieces together. Supplements are a component, diet, allopathic medicine, environment, all those things are factors, right? Mm -hmm. So number one is companies that make claims that sound too good to be true probably are if there's no magic bullets. Um, number two, quality costs money. If you see a product that looks the same and one of them costs less than the other, half as much, you mm. got to stop and ask why. Good idea. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call the company. You know, okay. people are oftentimes afraid. Pick up the phone, call the company. Ask them how long they've been in business. Ask them what quality systems they follow. Uh, And there's a lot of different questions. And people, you know, the the Internet's a great thing in some ways, but it also tends to give people a false sense of security, right? I'm sure you run into, as we did in our clinic, not as much, though, because I was 
a few years earlier than you guys, but people can get educated by Dr. Google, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's just a little of that going around. It's not always the worst thing, though. It's not always the worst thing, actually. Information is good, but I would say trust but verify, right? Mm -hmm. So, And that's where also the veterinarian comes in, is veterinarians are a gatekeeper, right? Because you want to be sure that the products you recommend, no matter what they are, that your clients will be happy with the results of those products. Their animal will respond, hopefully, as we hope that they will, for whatever situation they're being seen or the products are recommended for. Um, They'll come back and see you again and tell their friends, and you'll create a new stream of business and a loyal client base, right? Mm -hmm. And and grow your business and capitalize on your new 10,000-square-foot facility. Congratulations, yeah, right. by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so, definitely a label um, that, you know, I've been looking out for since I discovered the NASC. And um, just, you know, looking forward to seeing what you guys do in the future to keep things honest and on the up and up in pet supplements. We do independent product testing as well. So every okay. NASC member will go out and buy products from the marketplace, test products, Really? Uh, yeah, and make sure that companies, you know, meet label claim as to what, uh, you know, what they say is in the product is on there. So it's a it's a fairly okay. comprehensive program, and Sounds you know, like it's it. becoming, a, I believe, a real differentiator. All right. Well, good. Well, Bill Bookout, the executive director, thanks so much for joining us today. A lot of good info. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity, and okay. take care. Stay safe. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, the, very interesting about all the supplements. You can see that little label just on the back of that product. So nice to have a, you know, a, a governing body. That was there. needed. That was, was so much needed. That was so needed. It takes control of that. Well, like I mentioned, the wild frontier. It just makes it mm-hmm. more conducive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our next guest was shocked to find her own pet was killed at home by a seemingly innocuous item, an empty snack food bag. This is a common problem that you might never have heard of, death by suffocation in food packaging. It's happening every day. And we've even had patients that this happened to. Right. We had a patient that died at home. The the family had left the house and um, unfortunately the pet, which was a pug, had fished a Cheetos bag from the trash. And unfortunately... um, she died, unfortunately, by the time they from got that. Home, yeah. Uh, it was an unfortunate find, that's for sure. Yeah. One of our cats last summer got its head stuck in a peanut butter jar, and it was hard to get that thing off. Yeah. It was, I nope. mean, it's, it's easier to put your head through than get it out. Yeah. Sort of like when a kid sticks their head through the stairs. That's right. Yeah. Stair spindles. Um, It's kind of the same thing. And I think we've probably all seen on social media, like raccoons with a peanut butter jar stuck on their head, Mm -hmm. something like that. But Bonnie Harlan of the Pet Suffocation Network says packaging is creating a danger in your home to your pets. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Tristan. How are you? You founded this organization after this terrible tragedy at home. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Right. So um, it was December 2011, so right before Christmas, I came home after doing some errands, uh, walked into my house, and my rescue dog was nowhere to greet me. Um, I looked all over my house. I couldn't find him. Finally, I found him in the corner of my game room upstairs, and I was just shocked to see a Cheetos chip bag over his head. You know, he was a 50-pound dog. Um, very strong, and it really made no difference. Um, 
he was our, it was too late. I did try CPR and I called my vet um, to try to walk me through it. Um, mm-hmm. But I was just, you know, a little too late. So because of that devastation and the shock of finding him like this and the anger of how my beautiful dog could just be gone in minutes, and I had no idea, I decided to, um, you know, found uh, Prevent Pet Suffocation and to spread awareness to the public on the dangers of chip bags, snack bags, pet food bags, and other types of um, containers uh, to our pets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you hear from a lot of dog owners every week, don't you? I do. I typically hear from three to four. Um, wow. Sometimes it goes in waves. Um, the common refrain is, I never knew this was an issue. And that's how they find me. They'll start Googling it, and um, they'll find Prevent Pet Station. And then, you know, I hear their story, and I share it so you know, we can get the word out to the public. Because that's actually our best defense against pet suffocation is awareness of the problem. Oh, okay. Because you can't prevent it. Yeah. So tell us about what's changed in these chip bags. Things, the chip bag is different than it used to be, and making that makes it more dangerous, right? Right. So you've seen, um, you probably all had, you know, chip bags in your home, and you see they're kind of that shiny mylar material. Well, it keeps snacks fresher, but what it does is it creates a vacuum-like seal once the dog or cat puts their head into the bag. And as the animal tries to breathe, the bag tightens, and it creates a, like a valve around their neck. And you can hardly break the seal of that bag. Really? Um, Amazing. So I've had, you know, big, strong men tell me I couldn't tear the bag apart off my dog's neck. Oh, and God. that's what's shocking. So a lot of people think that, well, my dog is, you know, it's a big dog. You can get this off, but they can't because, one, they, they don't have thumbs, and they don't have logic. And what happens is that bag goes around their neck, and they start losing oxygen. They start to panic. You'll see many of them running around. Um, my dog actually went from downstairs in my kitchen knocked over several items. He ended up upstairs, pillows and things like that before he passed away. And keep in mind, that was all with a bag over his head. And he couldn't oh, even okay. see. Wow. Oh, so, um, that's really sad. I didn't know so they would tighten around their yeah. neck like that. You know, the pug um, that died, that was one of our patients, that happened before those Mylar chip bags came out. And, you know, it was just a phys- physiological thing because he had such like a thick neck and a thick head like it was it just wasn't coming off but um the mylar is um you know sounds like definitely more of a threat to practically anyone right but this also happens with you know ziploc bags as well Um, cheese um cheese bags um pet food bags pet food liners, cereal bags, cereal liners, and a lot of the cereal liners are made of the mylar material too, as is popcorn mm-hmm. and, and things like oh. that. I think well, the bigger oh, okay. risk is any bag. In fact, I tell everybody, I'm vigilant about any bag or container 
in my house. I look at everything as a potential weapon that could, you know, harm my animal. And mm-hmm. so there are things you can do to prevent it, and that is key. And one of those is cutting up all of these bags and destroying them, serving your snacks in glass bowls, in containers, keeping your trash bag safely locked and out of the reach of your pet, um, keep your pantry door closed. You know, I don't let my dog roam freely in my house anymore when I'm not there. Um, oh. Yeah. I, I hadn't even I really thought about that. Right. I mean, ours get in the trash, but I just, it, you know, all of these things just never even occurred to me. Right, and that's what everybody says. You know, I had no idea, and I didn't either. My Cheetos bag was in the bottom of a, a trash can, and he mm-hmm. jumped over the trash can. Well, that's very typical. They, they're home alone. They start roaming around, and they get bored, and they're, there you have it. Now, I've had people step out of a shower and have lost their dog. It happens within three to four minutes. It can. Oh my gosh! You know, happen really fast. when you're home, when you're home, when you're not home, um, etc. So it happened to wildlife too, though. You know, so even if you were right, even if you didn't have a trash picker for a dog, which we have four, <laughs> and a lot of people are in the, you know, everybody's dogs, most dogs will go through the trash to find something um, or even steal it off the counter, that kind of thing. Um, But wildlife, this is an issue for them as well. Right. And people will say, well, I, you know, I don't have a dog, so why do I need to cut up my chip bags? I said, well, to protect all the other animals, you know, outside and in the world, because your trash is going to eventually end up in the landfill and you're going to have feral cats and stray dogs and wild animals. Um, searching through it. They're going to be, you know, at campsites and beaches and in bags blow out of yards. They blow into other people's yards. Um, we've had all kinds of situations. So you really, it starts in your home. You know, cut them up, keep them out of the reach of your pets, serve in containers, you know, just be protective of your pets and everybody else's. But you also and your pet sitters and anyone that's going to be in contact with your with your animals. Um, you know, especially now that we're all staying home and we're kids are at home all day and we're working at home, you know, and you have you noticed the chips are practice? wiped off the grocery store shelves? I've noticed that. Right. I mean, it's not because anything I wanted to buy really yes. that bad anyway, but I did walk by it and think, what? Even those are all gone, you know? So yeah, it's yes, a popular they're, they're item. Very popular. So yeah, and so, so it's easy to get distracted. So you really want to tell your your family and your friends that if they have a playmate over and check kids' backpacks. Um, we've had several people lose their pet because their dog was left in the car. Well, they went in the house to do an errand. I mean, sorry, in the store to do an errand. Came back, and mm-hmm. there was um, yeah fast food fast food in the car or in their purse or et cetera. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, we really appreciate um, you letting us know, Bonnie Harlan from PreventPetSuffocation.com. More info available on the website and uh, some support there, too, for anybody who is grieving the loss of a pet. 
after such a terrible accident. Cut up your chip bags. Cut them up. I'm going to start reminding people of that. Yeah. No idea. Great idea. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Mm -hmm. Bye. You're welcome. So um, we're going to move on again a little bit, revisit some of the COVID situation. So as far as COVID goes, um, at this point, there has been, you know, like a bunch of tests run in the United States by a veterinary lab called IDEX. They haven't found one case in an animal yet. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah. So the dog in Hong Kong lived with somebody who had COVID. It tested positive a couple of times, a week positive a couple of times. Right. But at this point, it doesn't look like you're going to get that from your animal. No, it's, it has not seroconverted. You know, and jump ship from uh, dogs back to another human. Right. All right. But it did do that because it originated in a bat, according to the AVMA. And so that did come bat to human. But the human, you know, somehow this dog got it in its nasal passages. But, you know, it could have just been, I think they said RNA. Yeah. So um, not necessarily infected didn't show any symptoms, didn't show any sign of it, and then everything's been fine ever since. And then all the American dogs that they've tested so far through IDEX have been negative. Yeah, and even the, like the flu virus, um, you know, when the whole family gets sick from the flu and that, mm -hmm. the dogs do get exposed to what we get exposed to, but uh, they don't have receptors for it. And okay. so it, it can't what bind. What is that? Well, like, what's a receptor? Well, the receptor is on the cell that the, the virus could bind to and then inject its own RNA or DNA into the cell oh. and hijack the cell to produce more of its own kind, which is a virus. And the virus is just trying to survive just like we are, uh, but they have to have an intermediate or a, a host uh, to be able to reproduce virus. Otherwise, uh, they can live in the environment, uh, some longer than others, but uh, they do need a host to replicate. Okay. All right. So a uh, question we're getting to also is if you're just isolating or just kind of social distancing, so you haven't been exposed, you um, really have, you just kind of staying away from people basically. Um, can you take your dog for a walk? Oh, yeah. Okay. And you don't need a mask. And uh, healthy people, it's not recommended to put a mask on. Mm -hmm. okay. You know, if you're sick, obviously, you don't want to spread anything, so put a mask on. But if you're healthy and showing no signs, there's no reason to put a mask on. Um, obviously, when you're meeting up with others, you know, keeping that social distance to 10 feet. Uh, same way with the dogs, just a precaution. Um, but, you know, dog to dog, there's been no problems. So mm -hmm. if they want to nose up to each other, that's fine. But if you're sick, then make sure that, you know, obviously you're you're, you're covering up and, and just uh, keep your pet isolated too. Okay. Now, if you have COVID, um, you should isolate yourself kind of from your pet as well. Find somebody else to care for it. Right. No right. snuggling, no cuddling up, no hanging out. Just let your animal be on its own. You be in your room and yep. keep to yourself. Keep that 10-foot distance, distance and, um, you know, have others uh, taking care of them is the best bet. Wash the food bowls and water bowls, you know. Mm -hmm. But not in your um No, not in your dishwasher and not in your main sink and not right. with your own sponge. <laughs> right, not with your own sponge. Just keep everything separate, yeah. The dishwasher always gives you the creeps anyway. I mean, yeah. it's got to be perfectly hot and a perfectly right temperature to right. kill everything. So, right. I don't know, that one for me is sort of like, mm, I don't know. 
Yeah, you can regulate that. And a utility sink, you know, with uh, with a good degreasing, um, you know, dishwashing uh, type of, of, mm-hmm. of detergent, and, and there shouldn't be any problems We had there. the coolest discussion the other day with our uh, other veterinarian here, Dr. Olick. He said when veterinarians are trained to use a mask for surgery, that when you cough into your mask, he said, don't turn your head if you're, say, doing surgery and you have to cough. He said... The thing about the mask is that if you cough, it comes out the sides of the mask, not out the front. So you should actually cough into your patient if you have on a surgery mask. I didn't know that. That was kind of fascinating. Yeah, because it, it traps it because it's right in front of your face. Uh-huh. But uh, but if you're sneezing and the mask comes out a little bit on the sides, yeah. then it's going to escape off the sides. Off to so, the sides. So with a mask on, it's the same thing. So you think, well... If I have a mask on, I should sneeze. I and should look away. still look away. But no, don't do yeah. that because it's like sneezing <laughs> in someone's face. So stay. <laughs> I keep didn't the know mask that. On and keep it in person in front of you. Yeah, I thought that was um, very interesting. I yeah. thought everybody, like you know, there's only so many masks to go around. I hope we're covered, and I thought everybody bandanas just in case. Yeah. It's a little little country, but around here, but <laughs> like just wear any it pro- if you're worried. Any protections. So, yeah, protection. I lo- I really like this magazine. It's called Animal Wellness Magazine, and they had. A couple of suggestions, um, you know, about stuff to do with your animal. It said, in general, pet owners are 36% less likely than non-pet owners to report feeling lonely. So don't underestimate your pet's ability to keep you company while you're hanging out in the safety of your own home. Yeah, it keeps your spirits up. And obviously, if it keeps your spirits up, then you're, it's going to keep your health up, too, because uh, depressed people often are more susceptible to getting ill. So your pet will keep you, your spirits up, keep your going through this crisis. Oh, I know. They're so sweet. They are. We had a litter of kittens yesterday. Our own cat, um, Kimmy, had a litter of Persian baby kittens yesterday. They are the cutest thing in the whole wide world. Lovely cat. They, she did a great job. <laughs> yeah, she did. We She had three little babies. So um, talk about a spirit lifter. Yeah. Yeah, they're really awesome. We put so, it on Facebook and everybody was oh, just crazy. a lot of joy out of that. I know. Yeah. I, I'll put that on our awesome woo-woo holistic vet advice page today as well. Um so there are some things you can do at home with your dog or cat, uh, things like trick training. Right, because uh, what greater, better way to bond with your pet, you know, so uh, doing uh, you know, little tricks, um, little agility out in the yard. Um, it really gives you a good time to spend that extra time with your pet to do the hide training. Hide and seek. Yeah, and hide and seek is stuff. a good yeah. one, too. Yeah. You know, you hide little treats around the house, let yeah. them find them. Um, I love trick training. Our dogs know so many tricks. <laughs> right. I'm not a pro or anything, but it's just fun to kind of teach them new stuff. Right. If you're home from work and, and can't work anyway, it's just like learning a new skill. You might as well teach your dog a little new skill as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just play more with your pet. Yeah. That's also something that's it's kind of fun for you. Get you out of the house if you can get out of the house and you yeah. are able to do so. Um, and then, you know, don't forget about all your pet sitters, veterinary teams, um, everybody else. And uh, stay safe out there, everyone. We're thinking of all of you, thinking of all of our fellow veterinary teams um, and, you know, all of our people in the pet industry right now uh, and owners who are struggling with this whole mess and hopefully it will resolve itself sooner rather than later that's right don't neglect your own health and don't neglect your pet's health get them seen and and uh, stay safe all right take care everyone we'll see you next time
Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend. 